0: Artificial intelligence technologies are revolutionising project management. Be at the forefront of the latest news with Endeavour Programs AI for Project Success podcast, hosted by me, Rebecca Archer, a journalist and media industry professional with more than two decades of experience. On the podcast today, I'm speaking with Elizabeth Foley, the Chief Executive of the Australian Institute of Project Management. Elizabeth has an esteemed career with more than 20 years of experience in senior executive roles across the financial services sector. She also boasts 17 years of board membership experience, including six on AXA's Unit Trust Company Board, overseeing investor funds worth more than $12 billion. Elizabeth has spent the past three years transitioning the health industry to the new digital era. As bid manager for the Digital Health Cooperative Research Centre, Elizabeth Foley secured more than $156 million in investment from industry and university partners and an additional $55 million from the federal government. Elizabeth is joining me by phone today. Welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for making the time to speak to me. The industries that you've worked in are absolute standouts when it comes to utilising artificial intelligence technology. There's financial services, health and now project management. I'm wondering how has AI transformed those sectors from your perspective?
1: Oh, thanks for the opportunity. Well, I think the change has been enormous, financial services. Look, it's been everything from ATMs through to online banking, credit cards, fraud. I'm sure many of us have had the, the situation where the banks called you and said, oh, did you mean to buy something in the United States? traveling. Um, that's all artificial intelligence, picking that sort of thing up. So banking itself now employs a lot less people than it did when it had a branch in every country town. And um, We've got automated buying and selling on stock exchanges. And now we're actually, in the last uh, 10 years or so, we've been able to identify insider trading much more quickly. And in fact, the software that's the leading worldwide software used for market surveillance was developed, in fact, in Australia. Health, um, well, I have an app on my phone now that tells me when I need to get my prescription filled and reminds me to take my medication. But uh, technology is growing so that doctors not only have their own experience, So, if you wanted to see a cardiologist and he might be 40 or 50, you don't just get his experience. But he has access to... Um, technology, AI, that can give him the experience of thousands of cases and thousands of doctors around the world. And that's improving diagnostics and getting the treatment right. And project management, well, there's new software coming all the time. It's all about accessing um, data and thousands of data points across diverse projects. And it's helping with systems finding um, problematic projects and being able to make improvements on costs and time blowouts.
0: Are there any concrete examples that you might be able to give us about how AI has changed a business or organisation that you've worked in? And thinking specifically of the most recent venture with project management.
1: Okay, with project management, it is cases where people actually can predict, as I was saying, cost blowouts and be able to and find problematic projects. For example, we've been doing some work with the Traffic Accident Commission of Victoria and they were using not so much in project management but actually using their call centre data in better ways. And they were using natural language processing to identify conversations where claimants they might have had from having a car accident, like a broken leg in hospital for six weeks. They were able to work out from these people calling in on the telephone when they're on claim, the sorts of words they might use that we could identify when they were developing depression, which would mean it would come from, say, a six-week payment of a claim for someone in hospital with a broken leg to six months because they developed depression and couldn't go back to work. Because then you can identify those people that are in need faster. And the same is happening in project management. As a company, you'll have a portfolio and you'll be looking at where things resulting wise are going. And this type of software can look at where there are blowouts and problems where you might need to allocate more money to a particular project within your portfolio of projects so that it doesn't fall behind and is not in need of resources. So you can prioritise where you allocate resources.
0: I'm wondering how long ago in your career did you start to hear about the concept of AI and machine learning and uh, what sort of feelings and reactions there were towards this, I guess, cutting-edge new technology?
1: I think my first role actually was that in um, 2001 when I was at ING, so Financial Services, and I joined a a new area of ING that was all about data analytics and segmentation. And back then it was just called data mining, but it really was the precursor to um, AI and and machine learning. And that was very much, um, oh, it's a waste of money, there are these are the number crunchers who who don't really understand the business. So it was sort of a bit of an outlier first up, and I think my learning from that piece and why they actually employed me—you just couldn't have the fancy mathematicians people doing it. You actually people needed to have people who understood it. So I think it's grown out of being a, taking a multidisciplinary approach. So you need to have someone who understands the financial products and financial markets as well as someone who can do the uh, computer science side of things or the mathematical modelling side of things to grow um, AI. And I think that's the greatest growth and the greatest, I think, interest area for what is effectively the fourth industrial revolution in that it is much more multidisciplinary in approach.
0: And given your many leadership roles over the years, what sort of conversations have you had to have about incorporating technology like AI into workplaces? How exactly is this kind of innovation actually implemented? Is it a slow process? Do you have to tread carefully? Look, it does vary by types of business. So when I've been
1: in financial services, bringing in a whole new technology is often uh, done in a sort of standalone new, new product area that is introduced alongside existing products and then um, new uh, older technologies are trans- transferred or legacy products are transferred over at a later a later time when that new technology has been proven. But for many parts of, of, of areas, it can mean a substantial change and a dramatic change to the business model. In things, things like health, it's it's really enormous. You've got to make changes to both macro and micro levels and legal and privacy implications plus regulatory implications and getting professional bodies approval for things like specialists and areas like that. Um, and then you're going to have some roles that just disappear or there becomes uh, a lot less demand. So as AI grows, things like radiologists and dermatologists we're going to need a lot fewer of those because ai will be able to do the diagnosis at probably a higher level than the human eye can do so it's it is really a big rate of change
0: what sort of pressure is there as a leader to be aware of and open to new ideas and cutting-edge technology, which could bring the kind of enormous time and cost savings to a business that we're seeing, but at the same time can also really be a disruptor in the workplace?
1: Well, look, the digital revolution is here and you ignore it at your peril. If you want to stay relevant to your market and stay competitive, you need to keep up with it. Kodak ignored the digital photography revolution even though it invented the technology so it may mean walking away from parts of your business that seem to be okay now but won't survive long term you've got to think about it like you're going to cannibalize your own business rather than have someone else do it and I guess that's not just in from digital um, technologies the famous story of back in 1983 when um, the machine gun was initially introduced. Um, there's the story of an African tribe that uh, attacked 700 British South African police who were armed with a new machine gun. And these tribesmen attacked. There were 6,000 of them. They had spears and rifles. Um, It was a surprise attack. They had the advantage. And 1,600 of these tribesmen were mowed down while the British had four casualties. You know, you're going to get mowed down by technology. if you don't embrace it. And I think boards and organisations need to take those risks.
0: And who do you rely on for the advice if you have come to a determination on whether or not you're going to move forward with a big technological change in an organisation? Who are the go-to people that you need to source?
1: Well, that really varies, again, from industry and organisation. I do think industry associations have a role to play. But then again, I'm biased because I'm uh, obviously CEO of an industry association. But they're constantly looking at the environment like regulation, technology, the broader marketplace, the economy, uh, politics in the case of finance and health, which are highly regulated industries. They're also looking at what's happening overseas. But also using your network, some advice from executives in other um, industries doing similar things. And of course, there are a plethora of consulting firms and vendors who can provide a lot of information and help you through those decisions.
0: And while this technology and artificial intelligence isn't exactly new, there is still quite a a big degree of uncertainty out there about how it will affect workflow and jobs. I'm wondering what sort of concerns you may have encountered in the course of your career about AI and, and I'm curious to see how you've handled that or how people are navigating those concerns.
1: Fortunately for me, my job's actually never been threatened by AI. But when I look back, technology has replaced all the roles I did in my early career. So I get concerned about what jobs uh, younger generations are doing while they're studying or developing mastery in their careers. In project management, for example, people who cut their teeth in, say, project scheduling or project control roles, these are increasingly being done by AI. My advice is to be a fan of lifelong learning. Um, To quote um, Stephen Covey in Sharpen the saw." make sure your skills are up to date. Um, I think you'll see more growth of micro-learning and micro-credentialing as people think, okay, I might need to know more about procurement or I might need to do a leadership course. So you're going to see a lot of growth in that. People need to focus particularly on developing their soft skills, their EQ, because that's the sort of thing that at this stage AI can't do. So having good IQ might have got you into the game, got you through a degree, but being a good task manager is not not enough. Uh, Leadership and people skills are going to be key um, and also um, strategic thinking. So they're the areas I am encouraging people to be embracing.
0: And just turning um, to the sorts of impediments that might exist uh, to a broad adoption of artificial intelligence and machine learning, I'm wondering: do you think overregulation is an issue, or what do you? What's your opinion about the state of regulation for AI and machine learning?
1: I don't think we're overregulated. I think actually that legislation is not keeping up with technological change. So it's having the appropriate legislation in place. We're actually going to see. Uh, legislation come through, say, New South Wales in the um, construction area, which has been a bit slow to adopt AI in um, project management or any type of of, um, (laughs) computerised technology. But with the problems that have grown out of buildings like Opal Towers and other high-rise mascot towers... Um, they're forcing the issue about the quality of project delivery. And so transformation is going to come in the next two years under the new New South Wales Building Commissioner and where organisations like the Australian Institute of Project Management are already being invited to communities' practice to develop this. And one of the great gaps we're seeing is um, uh, the IT literacy, um, the AI literacy of of the um, building sector. So I think um, re- regulation is coming um, and it is about getting the right regulation.
0: Just on the point about construction being an industry that's a bit slow to on the take-up, I suppose, of AI, why do you think that is? What's, what's the issue there for that particular sector where they're just maybe a bit slower to adopt? Well, I think
1: it's the very physical um, nature of it and I guess without regulation they've been able to... To get away from it, but I mean, I guess if you're busy on a site um, directing builders and concreters and uh, wet technology areas and making uh, making decisions on the spot because uh, the design from the architect didn't actually work in reality, and you had to do a matchboard, those sorts of things aren't being um, documented and. Uh, I guess there's also been pressures on cost and delivery time and certification actually stopped being regulated and, and with self, self-regulation in those areas. So I think there are a number of factors that have contributed um, to that area and that's what the legislation is looking to, to work on.
0: All right, and leaders who wait too long to jump onto innovations like AI can obviously end up at the helm of organisations that simply aren't competitive any longer, not just at a local level but also globally. I'm wondering how do you balance that against the risk of being the one that leaps too soon and, you know, you're the guinea pig who pours the time and the money into investing early only to see your competitors reaping the benefits?
1: Look, business is not riskless. Judgment calls are made every day by CEOs and boards and governments. And it's not just about technology. Um, So I think that's a normal business risk. Um, I think it's about investing in new technology and learning to fail fast, um, knowing and understanding your organisation's risk appetite and what it can afford to spend and not punishing failure. We need um, to be adopting leaner processes and look at generating um, the minimum viable solution first up rather than the Rolls Royce. But again, the risks and considerations for large organisations are going to be very different um, to that of, say, a small startup.
0: Well, that makes sense. Absolutely. Look, just finally, Elizabeth, um, how prevalent do you see artificial intelligence, machine learning being in project management, say, five, 10 or even 20 years down the track from now?
1: Uh, It is coming and some of it will be forced by legislation, like in the construction sector in New South Wales, which will have a ripple effect for all the states of of Australia. Um, There will also be competitive pressure. In the years down the track, it'll be seen as an integral part of the scene, just like it is in in, um, architectural drawings at the moment. It will be replacing some junior roles, um, but that'll mean that project managers' leadership skills and EQ is what they'll need to differentiate them. It's time and cost pressures. They're only going to build and using AI to access big data info on project specifications Specifications is only going to grow in importance and become the norm.
0: It's definitely going to be interesting to watch how it plays out. Elizabeth Foley, thank you so much for your time and your insights today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Rebecca. You've been listening to Endeavour Program's AI for Project Success podcast, offering insights and analysis on the impact artificial intelligence is having on project management.